Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for yet another Church Planner podcast. Indeedy. Hey, we uh, have a really cool guest on today. We have Frank Viola in the house. Frank, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Hey, that's not my kid. Wow. I'm I'm just going to say that. That's my kid. I don't know if the mic is picking it up, but man, my kid is going to town. (laughs) I came over to Pete's house today to do the podcast, which is really rare. That's actually not the reason you came over to my house. house. That's not the reason you came over to my house. It's not the real reason. Tell him the real reason you came over to my house. Okay, Pete and I have a tradition of going to islands. And if if we get together, we go to islands, and we sit in a bar, (laughs) and we eat chips, and we have a pint, and we talk. And we don't care what we talk about, but that's the real reason. And we usually end up talking to the bartender (laughs) about God or something. We do, actually. Yes. We do. So, hey, Frank, you've got a brand new book coming out. The book is with David C. Cook. It's called Jesus Now. I just got my hot little hands on a copy. Cha-ching! And it looks awesome, man. Tell us about the book. Well, what I try to do in it is um, unveil the present-day ministry of Christ. You know, we have dozens and dozens of books on what Jesus did when he was on earth, or what he taught when he was on earth via the Gospels. Um, And, you know, most of the preaching we hear today, I think, would fall into that category. You know, what did Jesus do, and what did he say, and how does that apply to us today? Um, Or we have a look at the future, and the question becomes, well, what is Jesus going to do when he returns? You know, how is he going to judge the world, and and all that stuff? So um, what I do is I kind of take a look at the middle you know, between the Ascension and the Second Coming, what is his present-day ministry? What is he doing now? Not yesterday and not tomorrow, but right now. 
And so that was, that's what the book explores. Um, it looks at what his present-day ministry is. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians, you know, they, they don't know the answer to the question, what does Jesus do now? They think he's up in heaven. It says he's, you know, at, at the Father's right hand, and they just think he's sitting there looking pretty. And the reality is, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, uh, sleeping you and waiting for the trumpet to sound. <laughs> <laughs> now, Father, now? No, no. Now? No. Now? All right, I'll, I'll go back to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's cool, man, is what I dig about you, Frank, is that uh, you're a Bible man, dude. You're, you're committed to Scripture. Um, this is some deep stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not an egghead by any means, but, you know, I've been to seminary, done the whole deal. And as I'm looking at this book, it is packed out. I mean, literally, you know, Church Zero, cha-ching, probably every every page in that had pop cultural reference. You've got scripture on just about every page. And, I mean, you have really done your homework for this book. This is some sound theology, but it's got cool clothes on. All right. I like that description. Well, what I what I did was I, I wanted to, you know, answer the question myself. And so I did a study over a period of years from, um, let's see, from the book of Acts all the way to um, Revelation. And as I turned every page, I was asking the same question. What does the scripture tell us? about Christ's present-day ministry. What is he doing now? So, you know, I basically had one Bible where I did that study. I underlined every text I can find on that question and then categorized them into what seemed to fall neatly into seven different aspects of his present-day ministry, and all seven aspects are chapters. Yes. Uh, and so you're right. I reference every every point I make. There's a scripture reference to go with it. Uh, there's a lot of quotations, but it's not a, a, an arcane Bible study. I'm trying to show how the present-day ministry of Christ affects and benefits every believer today, mm-hmm. uh, including lost people. You know, how how does it benefit human beings, but with particular emphasis on God's people? And uh, so I, I find the book very exciting, you know, in, in many ways, you know, the, the things that I uncovered, because it has real application to our day-to-day lives. It has application yeah. not just to mission, but what he's called us to, but it also has application to spiritual formation, our growth in the Lord, and then every issue we struggle with, because the Lord is very concerned and very involved with our day-to-day lives in very specific ways. So... Um, that was kind of the origin of the book. If if I were to look at, you know, just having a chance, I mean, I haven't had a chance to read it cover to cover yet, but because I just got it yesterday. But first thing it is. But you, you did read the covers, right? So I did. But but this is kind of the summary. I mean, I've 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 read, you know, a couple chapters and I flipped ahead. And um, what I was really curious to know was what, you know, kind of like what you're saying. What has he done? If I were to summarize it sounds like what you're saying is if you don't know what Jesus as the head is doing in heaven, then you don't really know what the body is supposed to be doing on earth. There's that clear connection. Mm-hmm. And the quote, the quote that really, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just, I love the way you frame that. That's perfect. Go ahead. Give me the quote. Well, okay, <laughs> this is quote? 160. I love this. Like this to me was dynamite. He says throughout his ministry, Jesus showed what the kingdom of God was all about by loving outcasts, 
befriending the oppressed, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, caring for the poor, driving out demons, forgiving sins, and so forth. If you peel back his miracles, the common denominator underneath them all is that he was alleviating human suffering and showing what the future kingdom of God looks like. When Jesus did his miracles, he was indicating that he was reversing the effects of the curse. In Jesus' ministry, a bit of the future had penetrated the present. Jesus embodied the future kingdom of God where human suffering will be eradicated and where there will be peace, justice, freedom, and joy. The church, which is his body in the world, carries on this ministry. It stands on the earth as a sign of the coming of the kingdom. The church lives and acts in the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the world today. It lives in the presence of the future, in the already but not yet of the kingdom of God. For this reason, the church is commissioned to proclaim and embody the kingdom now, to bring a bit of the new creation into the old creation, to bring a piece of heaven into the earth demonstrating to the world what it will look like when God is calling the shots. In the life of the church, God's future has already begun. Booyah! That is hotness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that certainly sums up that one chapter of Christ being head of the church, which is one of the seven ministries that he carries. And, you know, as you point out, um, the head without the body is incomplete. You know, Jesus is not a headless wonder up in heavenly places. You know, he has <laughs> he has a bottom half, and um, you know that bottom half is You're not supposed to is, talk about that, Frank. <laughs> what's that? You're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> well, the bottom half, close your ears, young people, is uh, is the body of Christ, and that's literal. That's not just a metaphor. You know, we have His life in us, and His life is the same life that was in Him, beating and pulsating when He walked in Galilee and Samaria and Jerusalem, um, and that life is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, I try to uncover and unpack what that looks like now so that we can get in touch with our spiritual instincts. Those spiritual instincts are going to move us in the same direction that they moved him. Um, another, another aspect of his ministry that I think is, is, is interesting to explore and that I try to unfold it in the book is that he's Lord of the world. And, hmm. you know, it, that, that's really hard to get our minds around because hmm. you pick up any newspaper or you watch the television and you see the the absolute decadence, the absolute corruption, the absolute, you know, horrific, needless violence that goes on every single day on the planet. And and then you, you read the New Testament where it consistently says, Paul and others, you know, Jesus is the true Lord of the world. Yeah. <laughs> he is Lord now. Uh, how can you reconcile the two? And that's a question that I think every Christian needs to answer. At least least they need dare answer the question. And I'm not going to give away the answer in this interview, but my book explores that. And I think the answer, at least to my mind, is satisfactory. But it does put a responsibility on every child of God um, in carrying that out. Mm, Excellent. Yeah, you know, and and as I look at kind of the the breadth of, you know, theology and all the different subjects within, a lot of people think, oh, theology, you know, that's that's nerd stuff. That's egghead stuff. And they'd be wrong for thinking that. You can make it that for sure. But what what you're kind of saying and where I think it always ends up is kind of like what Moody used to say. You know, if your Bible's not bound in shoe leather, it's no good, right? 
And and you kick off the book, funny enough, with a great uh, uh, little story about a guy who's stuck up in a tree. And um, <laughs> do you mind if I read that, Frank? Yeah, go ahead. There's a lovely little story about a skydiver who drifted over 100 miles off course and landed in a dense forest, strung up in the tree, tangled and terrified of the fast approaching night. He began to yell out for help. After a few minutes, a man who was out for a walk chanced upon the skydiver. Hello, I need help. Where am I? Called the man in the tree. You're stuck in a tree with no way out. You're surrounded by a forest and it's getting dark, the other man replied. Of all my luck, said the skydiver, I get stuck with a minister as a rescuer. <laughs> Hearing this, the passerby wondered aloud how the distressed man knew about his occupation as a religious teacher. Well, the man in the tree said, I just assume you must be a minister as what you've said is both utterly true and yet absolutely useless in helping me. And I think that that's, that's kind of where you come from in this book is, look, there is a practical link between theology. You've got to know this. The Bible lays it all out, but the Bible always is heavy on application. And so I'm yeah. hearing that stream and I'm seeing it in what I know of your book so far. And that is so valuable. Um, it, interestingly enough, I think that at times we know, Frank, that like the body of Christ doesn't function because of people's ignorance of clear teachings. You know, we've talked about some of the teachings on authority, empowering of every believer to do the works of ministry. Um, and because of that, if we don't understand rightly what the Bible's teaching, um, then we are going to be hindered in our practice of what the Bible's teaching. So you're drawing that connection there. And what I value, what, what's a little bonus to you writing this is particularly in eschatology, which is like, you know, the study of the last things. The last things obviously are from the resurrection and the giving of the spirit, you know, basically mm -hmm. till now, till the return. So even Calvin, right? Everybody goes to him as kind of like the, the, you know, almost like the, the Don Corleone of, of theology. I, mean, I, I don't, but a lot of people were kind of like, dude, the guy wrote tons. Um, a lot of guys built on the back of what he did. Um, but he wrote about eschatology. He said, you know, it's really not developed. And so if you were to get a book that was going to answer what is Jesus doing now? Again, the book is called Jesus Now Unveiling the Present Day Ministry of Christ. It's almost like everybody's theological bookshelf has a Jesus now shaped hole. And you've written a book that really in, in many ways is kind of like a complete study um, that I've not really, I've, I, I'll be honest, I've never seen a book on this. And until I saw yeah. it, I was like, wow, that did need to be written. That's hot. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I wrote the book uh, is because I don't know, I'm not aware of any book that has addressed what Jesus is doing specifically since his ascension until his second coming in any detail uh, that's not so academic that, you know, you have to be a pencil neck to understand it, but also speaks to the heart and gives practical handles to God's people. Let me give you an example of, of one of the things that I think is one of the many eye openers, at least for me, that I found in, when I looked at this subject um, and, and has practical application. Okay. We, we, we hear the scripture quoted so often, I, I memorized it as a young kid because I was told I should, and that's Hebrews 4.12, you know, where he says, The Word of God is living and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay. Um, I understood, as, as many Christians understand, what it means that the Word of God is living. But what's this business about a two-edged sword 
and specifically joints and marrow being penetrated. Mm. I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> and one of the th- one of the things that's really interesting is that this is a reference to one of Christ's present day ministries, which is the ministry of great high priest, which is the subject of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And what I show in the book is that Hebrews is really an unfolding of his present-day ministry as high priest and what it means and all of the benefits. But we often miss it because there's parenthesis. There's five parenthetical warnings where the writer breaks his flow of thought, and he gets off the subject of the high priestly ministry of Christ, gives these warnings, some of which are very scary, (laughs) and then goes back to the the ministry of of high priest. Well, anyway... In the Old Testament, the priest took a sharp knife, and the sacrifice that he cut open was tied to a post. He cut open the offering, exposing and penetrating the joints and the marrow. And what was previously hidden that you couldn't see was now exposed before everyone, including the priest. And if you read the next verse, verse 13, he says, the writer of Hebrews, there is no creature that is not manifest before him, but all things are naked and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we are to give an account. So he's talking about Christ now is Mm -hmm. the one who holds the knife. You know, in Revelation, he says he opens his mouth and out comes a two-edged sword, you know. Um, and he uses that, the Word of the Living God, to divide soul from spirit and to expose what's in our hearts, mm-hmm. just as the high priest did with, with the sacrifice. Oh, and cool. so I talk about practically what that means. You know, what, what does mm-hmm. it mean to have the spirit and the soul divided? What does it mean to have our hearts bare before him? You know, that's just one little glimpse of how Scripture has been hidden from us in many places in Scripture, that once you really begin to see his present-day ministry and you follow those threads all the way, it just opens things up in a very practical and brilliant way. Well, that's awesome, man, because one of, one of the things I appreciate about, you, appreciate about you, Frank, is that, you know, you, you, I use the word eye-opening there. That's how you write. You write very much with a sense of, hey, you know, there's something revealed as as you're writing. And, you know, our, our guys, you know, we, we broadcast to church planners. I know some shows will bring guys on that they disagree with and this and that. Our guys don't have time to waste. So if it's not a book that's gonna, not, you know, going to help them on the ground while they're church plant, most of these guys have got full-time jobs or, you know, whatever, um, they're by vote. And, you know, we're just like, hey, we don't got time to waste, man. Hey, if, if it's not a book that's going to help you, we're not going to waste time on it. So, um, you know, that that's our endorsement. And right, right there is having you on here. And we appreciate you coming on, A, writing the book, B, talking to us about it, and C, for your heart for practicality, man. That makes it valuable. And more people need to know how to do what you do, and that is to take these things, to study like a bad boy, and then to apply them. Because that's, that's how the scripture's written. It was written as yep. kind of like, hey, here's a field manual, man. Here's what you need to know about, you know, the spiritual deal, and this is what it's going to look like on earth. So exactly. very well, cool, man. Like James says, be doers of the word, and that's the practical edge of it. Uh, if we're just hearers only or studiers and nothing gets past the frontal lobe, um, then we, <laughs> we have done a disservice to ourselves and the Lord's people. Let me, let me just say a word to church planners who are listening to this. Um, 
between May 5th and May 8th, this book, Jesus Now, is going to be on sale at 50% off uh, on Parable.com. If they go to Parable.com, that's the Christian analog to Amazon. They'll get it at 50% off, and they'll also get the study guide free from May 5th to May 8th. Yeah, and what the study guide does is it breaks it down to where you can discuss it and get into the content in a very practical way, in a way where it you know, provokes conversation. I had one guy, a friend of mine, and he plants churches, and his comment to me was, Frank, you've just given me eight months of yeah. fresh and powerful material to give the Lord's people, mm-hmm. and as well as new converts. He said, because this is hardly ever talked about. You know, the present-day ministry of Christ, the seven aspects of it, and how it benefits us as God's people in, in very practical and, and real ways— he said, this, this is something that I'm going to use for the next eight months. I'm going to preach out of each chapter. And so that blessed me because I think hmm. that that is true. You know, there is a lot of content here that is valuable, not just to repeat as, as a parrot who hasn't absorbed it, but, you know, you can put into practice everything that, that's in these pages and, and thereby share them, not out of theory, but out of reality. So... That's awesome, man. And, you know, Frank, thanks. Thanks for coming on. This is broadcasting, by the way, on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. So that's your Cinco de Mayo present church planners. And uh, go on there, get that. It is perfect for small groups. Those of you that are planning know the power of uh, talking through this in a group. Um, Life change doesn't tend to happen in rows, one man said. It tends to happen in circles. So grab this book. You will not be sorry. Frank, thanks for coming on today, man. It's been good to have you back. Thanks so much, and I hope to see everybody at Parable.com today on through the 8th, and uh, I'd love to hear the responses to the book. Amen. Well, that's been Frank Viola with us. The book is Jesus Now, published by David C. Cook. Buy it May 5th and May 8th. Get your free study guide. And this has been the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music